Alright. What's happening? What's good? It's your boy Brother Royce one time for your mind though. And we are sitting here with two very esteemed guests. I'm honored to be sitting here with these two people right here. Brother, my sister, would you like to introduce yourself? Ladies first. What's going on, y'all? It's your girl Alexis, affectionately known as Miss Sasha Lee. And how you doing? It's Jovan Wint. Affectionately known as Jovan Wint. <laughs> <laughs> that was dope. Affectionately known as Jovan. <laughs> legit, legit. So, hey, we're going to get this ball rolling. We're going to get this thing sliding. So the conversation that we was having before we got on the air, and I think this is a very powerful, and I think this is a very potent conversation, and I think it's one that we all need to hear, weigh in on. We're going to take calls in at a later time. So, Brother Javon, would you like to get the ball rolling on where the conversation started? Yeah, we were just speaking about basically, you know, belief systems and how do we really unify, you know, all melanated people. And... There's just so much different bubbles that are created because, you know, we have Black Lives Matter, we have Dream Defenders, we have, I don't know, we have, we just have so much different organizations, but how do we create that one umbrella that everybody could come under? And even with religion, we have Nation of Islam, we have Islam, we have Christianity, we have Catholicism, we have, we even have Black Jews. So how do we bring all of our people together to really work together? Um... As I, as I previously stated before we went on air, I really believe that we should find a common ground with each other first. Um, you know, everyone should be of the same mind, same heart, same interest as far as wanting to unify initially, you know, wanting to help their fellow man and, you know, minus whatever gender preference or you know, religious background you have, if we can come together very baseline as far as our our common goal or what our interest is and what we're trying to achieve, you know, that's the start. We can definitely, you know, make waves and unify as far as building something. We can definitely start there. So I would say, you know, for us to have a goal in mind, and move from there. And that's how we can move forward. Legit, legit, legit. Um, yeah, man, I think that's a very important thing. Uh, one thing that I've learned in like just my studies abroad of trying to you know, uh, uh, build and grow uh, spiritually, there is, um, it says that though there are many different parts in the body, they all work together as one. The hand cannot say I don't need the foot. The foot cannot say I don't need the head. The head cannot say I don't need the neck. They're different bodies. They're different. They're different body parts, but they all work in conjunction with one another. And the body parts. It even says that if one body part is missing, that the whole entire body is considered to be crippled. You see what I'm saying? So you don't have a hand walking around the same. What Mr. It? Whoa, 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 you know what I'm saying? It. it we all do need to come together because once we do come together, we begin to enrich each other. Now, the question um, we've been hit with a lot is, okay, you're always talking about come together, come together, but come together around what? What are we coming together around? Because people are coming together, but if they're not coming together around something that unifies them all, then that coming together is 
not gonna last. It's only gonna be temporal. So come together around what? I was listening to The Breakfast Club and there's a man named Trevor Noah. He's from South Africa and he grew up during the time of, of apartheid. And basically, Africa is 90% black people. And they said, in order to control a country with that much black people, you need to make them think that they're not all on the same team. So, you know, they had like the Igbos live here and the Zoksa people live here and, you know, they divided everybody up. So I think, as Brother Hakim states, you know, the Woody Lynch letter, there's so much tactics to make us all believe we're not on the same team. So it's like we need to convince ourselves and realize we are the same. And also there's another guy named Dr. Wesley Muhammad. And he was saying, um, Black Lives Matter needs to not be focused towards like white people and other people, but it needs to be focused towards black people. Black people need to be convinced that Black Lives Matter and that we are all on the same team. So, how do we truly convince each other that we're all on the same team? How do we get back to understanding that? I think I'm gonna weigh in on both of you guys's comment. And to answer you, Brother Hakeem, uh, you know, what exactly is the goal and what are we coming together around? I would say that would be at the discretion of us as a people. You know, again, we're coming from so many different backgrounds, as Javon mentioned. You know, we have so many different religions, so many different practices and so many different customs. To where, as I stated earlier, we have to find a common ground in which we're willing to work on minus our differences, customs, backgrounds, and nationalities as far as, you know, different islands um, are concerned. So, for example, if we as a people decide, and you know, this is just an example, if we decide we're tired of gun violence, you know, this isn't strictly to the Christian church, the Baptist, the Catholic, that black Jew, we as a people are saying we're tired of gun violence. We're saying we're tired of our kids and kids in the neighborhood, you know, picking up guns and randomly killing each other. We're saying we're tired of gangs. We're saying that we want better neighborhoods. So, you know, in retrospect, you're not going to promote that message to only black Jews if you're a black Jew or only Muslims if you're a Muslim or only Christians if you're a Christian you're going to spread that message generally because that's the goal we're trying to accomplish. If the goal is trying to stop gun violence then you're going to be proactive toward the issue at hand. So, you know, to answer your question, Hakeem, I really feel like, you know, once we come to a consensus of what exactly we want to do that's how we can work to tackle that center that you're talking about. Because believe it or not, we are the center. We're already it, it's us. So, you know, we just have to learn how to navigate around that center, making everyone feel comfortable. And like I was saying about, you know, holding hands, you know, we need to hold hands because we are the center of it. So, you know, that's how we get there. Legit, legit, what you got over there, brother? That was a that was a really that was a good answer. Um, we do need to rally around causes which affect us all. Mm-hmm. But how do we get everybody at the table? How do we get everybody willing to sit at the table and have these discussions? Mm-hmm. Like, does it have to be your child that gets killed? Does it have to mm-hmm. be 
somebody close to you for you to you know want to partake in the discussion because mm-hmm. I feel like there's so much of us that understand what's going on um we might talk about it today but tomorrow we're gonna forget about it like we, we lose the fire so how do we keep the fire how do we make people understand how important this is and how urgent we need to be when addressing these things it's um it's one thing that was very powerful to me and it led to me starting the black student union um when I read the Willie Lynch letters, which is pretty much, you know, um, people can say the Willie Lynch letter is not real. People can say the Willie Lynch letter was fabricated. It doesn't chronologically line up, whatever it may have you. If it was actually real or if it was something that was written about actual events that happened as like a satire or something. The point is, those events happened. You see what I'm saying? So if it was something written after the fact, well, thank you for putting this in order for me. If it was something that was written for real, I'm glad that it was made available for us to see how the black man was. The ingenuity that went into the psychological programming of the black man and the whole premise behind Willie Lynch, the whole premise on how to change these people from Africans to slaves or they were beginning a project to create the African-American. When a black man can, and it sounds crazy, but a lot of, that's what we hear. We hear, we hear to talk about that. When a black man stands up and says, I'm not African, I'm American, that means the program is complete. You are fully programmed. You, when you no longer relate to your homeland. Because when you study Willie Lynch, that was the purpose. The whole purpose of Willie Lynch was before slavery, before war, man was connected to nature. Meaning that the same hands, and remember, you know, Marcus Garvey got a lot into metaphysics. The same hands that created the sun, the same hands that created the moon, the same hands that created the stars, is the same hands that created human beings. So we all have that connection to nature. So the black man learned how to sew clothes from watching the spider. The black man learned how to hunt from watching the lion. We learned from nature. That's how the whole entire world was educated from the discoveries of Egypt because everything was discovered. They would watch the stars and tell how the, how the moon would wax and wane and when there would be no moon and when there would be a full moon. So the whole purpose of Willie Lynch was to separate us from our nature. Separate us from our nature because now, once we're separated from our nature, we'll be easier to program. So, being separated from your nature is like being separated from the power source. And in place of that nature, they put religion. You see what I'm saying? So, now I've always looked at okay, once the black man is plugged back into his God, not into a religion, but plugged back into the Creator our creator. Once we are plugged back into that power source, now we will have the power source to have longevity, to see clearly, to be able to focus, to be able to concentrate, to, uh, uh, I, I love, I was watching the, uh, the Malcolm X um, documentary that they did with Denzel Washington, and I like the, the, the way the man said to Malcolm X, he said, we want to get you off of this country's drugs. Like women is this country's drugs. It's not just weed, but alcohol is drugs. The pornography is drugs. All of these things is different contaminations to the black man's body that we have to now go through its little batteries because we're unplugged from the power source. So I do believe that that one thing that can unify us all is God. But in order to even delve into the fact that, okay, Willie Lynch thought it was necessary to separate us from our nature, 
So that means there must be something important about us being connected to our nature in order for us to even talk about connecting to God. We first have to talk about what is the purpose of religion. Would you like to weigh in on that? Ed? Um, I would like to actually touch on Javon's mm-hmm. question about unifying and then I can, mm-hmm. I can transition into religion. But as mm-hmm. far as unifying us, it is at our discretion as a people. Everything is a choice. If we choose to love each other, it's because it's a personal choice because at the end of the day, that's what love is. Okay. Love is a choice. Right. So we have to choose to love each other. And guess what? When you make that choice, everything else falls into line. When you learn how to love somebody, you're not saying, hey, I'm interested in you. You're interested in me. Give me your manual. What should I do? You just do it. It just flows. You learn how to hug them. You learn how to kiss them. You learn how to please them. You go with what feels good. And like you said, it's nature. So very innately, we will develop that so long as we decide that we want to love each other, that we want to bring that back that we want the village to raise our kids instead of me having my kids in the house and you mind your business. You know, we have to start taking ownership of each other as brother and sister. And guess what? Once we start taking that ownership, saying you are, you know, my sister's keeper, I am, you know, my brother's keeper. Once we take on that mentality, then we will naturally have that love for each other. We will naturally want to care. We will naturally want to invest. We will naturally unify. There, there, there isn't what I would say a programming or a mapping. It starts with us internally. So even for, you know, the three of us that are here now, this is something that started with us. It wasn't something that we had to be coaxed into. It wasn't a program we read. It wasn't a book we read that made us want to come here. It was a desire for us. It was the love of our people that made us want to do this. So even if it starts with three people, that's fine. And we have to be okay with that because, you know, we understand that some people don't necessarily have that understanding of getting back to nature. And we shouldn't allow them to be afraid of that because they're not as What's the term that the kids use? Woke. You know, we can't, you know, we can't allow the lack of knowledge to intimidate people because, you know, you have people that want to know. And the fact that you have so many scholars and people that can can intimidate you and make you feel like you're not qualified to know these things, then it can also hinder you and it can keep people in a state of ignorance. Because, you know, they already know and people really take comfort in that. Ignorance truly is bliss. Mm -hmm. So in terms of us unifying, Mm -hmm. you know, I feel like that desire, you know, will come very second nature to us because, you know, we are very loving people. Now, as far as your question about religion and, you know, its place, I personally believe it was a method of control. Yeah, no doubt. You know, it is it is a control mechanism and you know, for some people it's good, for some people it's bad. Mm-hmm. Um 
people go with what they feel. Right. And I feel like once you go with what you feel, once you start labeling it religion, yes, yes. that's when people start to separate. Right. That's right. why in the beginning mm-hmm. I said if we could get rid of that religious yes. divider, that yes. political yes. divider, that sexual preference divider yes. that really is every, you know, citizen's personal business. Right, right. We can bridge that gap. Right. Agreed. Agreed. We definitely, we definitely seeing that is, like um, brother Javon said, um, the the African brother that it is a major, it is a major strategy that they have to keep us divided. And any time that uh, we can find our, any time we find our home, anything that begins to now attack another group or another audience with people that look just like you. We know that, okay, that's a system of control, that's a system of manipulation, that's a system to keep us subjugated. And I like how she said love is nature because that's actually what nature is. Nature is not something that you have to get out of a book. There was no books back in African times. This was all the stuff that they learned just by feeling, just by looking, just by using their senses, just by observing, not letting the TV think for them or not letting the radio think for them or not letting another man have to come and tell them what to think, how to think, but just just being there in the moment, you know? And I do believe, like, I do feel like love is the nature but when you start getting to okay I have to go to this book to tell me how to do it not that there's anything wrong with the book the book can be a key to kickstart the engine it can be something to crank the car but I do feel like love is that nature especially you know if you're a scriptural guy that God is love you see what I'm saying I feel like because we've been separated from nature so long that we still we have to understand what it is from what it truly is because nature is something that is embedded inside of us not something that we have to go without and look for but brother Javon what did you just like how you said um a book can crank start the engine right 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 I agree with that 100% right. I think that okay when you're a baby when you're born you need your mother's milk until you're strong enough mm-hmm. and your immune system is strong enough to you know carry you on your yeah, own no doubt um, when you're first riding a bike, you have training wheels, and then you remove the training wheels until you can, you know, mm-hmm. uh, ride the bike without it. I think that religion can be like that. Yeah. Religion can kickstart you until you are strong enough spiritually to do without that religion. Just like if you're starting a business, you need startup money until you're until you build enough capital to carry yourself. So I think that we do need something to start up the engine since we've been disconnected for so long. Mm-hmm. And it might come in the form of religion. It might come in the form of prison. It might come in the form of death to somebody you love. But mm-hmm. we do need something to kickstart to, you know, give us that jolt. Like, yo, I need to wake up. I need to take more control of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, my favorite story, one of my favorite stories is the one when the Buddha invited the blind men to the castle. Yeah. You know, he had the elephant in the middle of the room. A group of um, blind men came. He invited them. They all felt on different parts of the elephant. Some felt on the trunk, mm. thought it was a hole. Some felt right. on the um, tusk, thought it was a spear. Some felt on the tail, thought it was a broom. Some felt on the foot, thought it was a column of a building. They all started mm. fighting. Mm. And I feel like that's what we're doing. We're fighting over different parts of the same hole. Yeah. So, you know, maybe 
instead of already having preconceived notions about these different people with different cultures, maybe we can say, okay, I'm Muslim. This is what we believe. I'm Christian. This is what we believe. What do you believe? Let's share. Mm-hmm. So maybe we should just change our attitudes mm-hmm. towards other people, towards other melanated people. Because mm-hmm. sometimes we go in with a negative mindset. Right. And, you know, like Marcus Garvey said, if you go in with a defeated mindset, you've already lost twice. Yeah. If you go in with confidence or a positive mindset, you won before you already began. Mm. So maybe we need to have a positive mindset before we approach other people. Like, yeah. I'm from North Miami Beach. I speak to Alexis all the time, and I say, in North Miami Beach, if you're walking down the street and you're smiling, somebody looking at you like, yo, what's wrong with this nigga? Like, yeah. Yeah. But maybe if we change our mindset, like, yo, it's a good day. How you doing? You know? Yeah. So it's the mindset. We need to break down the barriers we need to change the way we think so i don't know we got to stop wearing the mask yeah when you when you say mask i feel like that means we are wearing something that we feel like we have to be and not exactly what we are is that what you're that's exactly what i mean because i feel like so much people have pain but they have to hide that behind being hard or being angry. And like, even sometimes when I hear people say chronic bitch face and shit like that, like, right. I don't know. Like some people just naturally have a face that repels other people or mm-hmm. like, was it, have you been through things in your life that just made your face like that naturally? Or mm-hmm. I don't, what is, like when somebody has chronic bitch face, are they happy at the end of the day? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> like what's really going on? It's called resting bitch face. My bad, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> I it's, chronic bitch. it's called resting bitch face. But what is, what is um, mm. That is something social media came up with. It just basically means that that individual doesn't look approachable Mm. so you know with that you know with the person having a a certain demeanor or a very unpleasant or hard demeanor you know very naturally when you call someone an unpleasant name you call them a bitch Mm -hmm. um so that's what the that's what the face is a direct reference to it's not that that person exactly is that needless to say it's just that that's what you're judging them off of when you first see them but then but then look mm-hmm. all three of us sitting right here we black mm-hmm. right? Right, right right we get judged no doubt so what if somebody look at us and they think we criminals or so how can we just judge somebody like that because they look approachable oh you have a resting bitch face mm-hmm. like that again is one of the defeats of social media mm-hmm. you know we have to stop internalizing the stereotypes and the memes and you know different things like that that we see especially about each other one of the things that I find particularly interesting, and you know, everyone finds it as comedy, but I feel like long term, it's actually very damaging, mm-hmm. is the whole, you know, the comedy skits and the little two, three minute videos imitating the black woman, mm-hmm. you know, how women be when they first got their little full EBT card loaded and she got on her lace wig and she about to go yeah. to the club and, you know, and tell the flow down. And then guess what? You have this, you know, you have my black man come out in a wig and a dress and he imitates me and he does it in the worst way. 
because nine times out of ten, my weave don't even itch that bad. And they make it nine extra. Nine times out of ten, I don't even pop gum like that. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, that's not even how I twerk in a club. Maybe a little bit, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> You know, we we have those things and then you have to what we as a people have to understand is that when other cultures see that, mm -hmm. especially coming from us, mm -hmm. they internalize that. Mm -hmm. And at that point, we have no one to blame but ourselves for that image. You know, you have these guys that do these skits and everything and, you know, it's all fun and games. But at the end of the day, if I'm a Mandarin, you know, person or I'm from Lebanon, or I'm from Russia, and I have no idea, the slightest idea, about what melanated folk do, and this is the first thing I see, and I see it coming from a melanated man, mm -hmm. and he's imitating his melanated woman, mm -hmm. I'm gonna feel like it holds true. But you don't even have to go that far. You don't have to go to China, or Russia, or Lebanon, because there's white people who live maybe a block or two blocks down, over the bridge, and they think that's truth about black people. Mm -hmm. So, and even more, I feel that a lot of the melanated people who are very disconnected from themselves, mm -hmm. they want to live up to these stereotypes. I've had homeboys, even me growing up, we would listen to certain rappers and certain artists, and we would listen to their rap songs and learn how to be better niggas, you feel me? Like, that was our gospel, you feel me? Yeah. Even when you listen to Kendrick Lamar's album, the first one, Good Kid, Mad City, yeah. they ask, like, because in the album, he has different parts, like, different skits where they're having conversations, and, and his homeboys say, what did Jeezy say since I was the, since day when I was the man on these streets? You feel me? Like, yeah. so much of us listen to music and watch TV and we want to be like that. Yeah. We want to be harder. We want to be heartless. Like, there were some days where I was like, I was too friendly today. Tomorrow I'm not going to be that friendly. Yeah. You feel me? But it's crazy. Like, images really do mean a lot. And we judge. And we take so much from images that is sickening. We got to stop doing that. Shout out to Kendrick Lamar, by no the doubt. way. No doubt. And J. Cole. No doubt. <laughs> Kendrick Lamar, is he's, he's definitely a staple in in the community for you know the 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 type of music that expresses a lot of how we really feel yeah. um and you know things that we really should be looking toward like the new jay-z album 444 yeah, never heard it. you know he made a lot of good points about you know, um, us as a people like building and rebuilding and one of the lines that I just thought was so epic, he said what I look like drinking Belvedere when Diddy's got Ciroc or something to that effect. Yeah. He called out a vodka um, yeah. and you know, that wasn't manufactured by a black person and he said, well why would I drink that when Diddy's got Ciroc? Like you should, you 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 really should be supporting that man. You should be supporting Sarah. You should be supporting Evan Vodka. And he, you know, he dropped those gems in, you know, in the music. But hip hop is another discussion for another day. In rap music and you know how those things influence us. But also alcohol. I think we need. We're gonna come back to alcohol too on a later date. <laughs> he made a lot of really good points. Um, in that album as far as black empowerment progressive politics mm -hmm. are concerned mm -hmm. so you know shout out to hove as well no doubt and i think a lot of it i love what kendrick lamar is doing what i hear a lot in kendrick lamar's music is i hear like identity 
Like I've listened, I've listened to Kendrick Lamar since his like first album where he was like, uh, "What I gotta do in order to see success?" You know what I'm saying? Like when he was like, "I just wanna be heard." You know, all back the when juice. he was K Dot. Yeah, back when he was K Dot, and I feel like Kendrick Lamar has went through this process where he's beginning to find his identity, and I feel like that is the main thing missing from the black secu- the the black community, melanated people, is identity. When you don't know who you are, it leaves you insecure. Now when you're insecure, it makes you now lash out and attack other people. You know, you begin to subconsciously see everything as a threat to who you are because you don't know who you are. Now you begin to judge yourself as compared to other people around you. Now it becomes easier for you to assimilate the different cultures around you because you don't know who you are. I was in my um I was watching a commercial for the show Power. Power is the big thing everybody watching. And I don't know how the season started, but now this season he's in jail. And he gotta fight off getting shanked. And I'm like, all of the images on TV of the black man, they have to be in jail. Or they have to be coming up from a corner selling dope. Or they have to, yes, that is a part of the black community, but when we're saying, okay, how come our, our, our youth look to this as what to be? I've never really seen the black man projected in any other light. Every time we project it, we end up in jail or we end up having a battle for shame or uh, 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 the black woman is popping her gum, she's snapping her fingers, she's rolling her neck, she's in the club. That's one thing that we do, you know? And I feel like because black people don't have our own culture, Marcus Garvey said something that was crazy. He said, why are we the only people that don't have a flag? It's crazy. You have the Jamaican flag, you have the Caribbean flag, but what is do black people have a, a flag? Like what represents us is, you know, Jamaican, you have the, 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 you have the different colonials that come to Jamaica, the different colonials in Haiti, the different colonials in, in the Africa, Bahamas. different colonials, you know what I'm saying, in the Bahamas. But we don't have a culture of our own. And because we don't have a culture for our own, I feel like we're constantly taking pieces from other cultures you know as far as oh this how i want my hair or this how i want to look or let me you have um in haiti right now you have a lot of people bleaching the skin in jamaica too jamaica too that's in the caribbean in the caribbean as well yes that's, that's just in the that caribbean sector everywhere that's crazy i see it even um when you go to africa you know i was talking to um dr ak tusu which is the one who makes the clothes and he was like when you go to africans the africans over there look just like americans they're wearing suits and ties and they're opening insurance companies and they're doing music videos with money and diamonds and jewels and dr ak from ghana's like that's not even our culture like you're just emulating what you're seeing them doing in america so is there any steps that we can take to rebuild the culture of our people or what what, what do you what do you so allow me to, you know, mm. snap my fingers and pop my neck and roll my eyes <laughs> and interject. Yeah, that's one thing oh. that we do. It doesn't define us as a people. Yeah. Let me let me do all yeah. that and interject. Yeah. Um, we would have to stop allowing ourselves to take those roles. Mm. I mean, this goes back to blackface. You know, we knew that those roles weren't conducive to a positive outlook. Mm -hmm. You know, they did it for money. They did it, you know, in a sense of living. Mm -hmm. They did it for whatever reasons, but like I said, you can even go back to blackface and see that we were never really portrayed in a proper light. What is blackface? So, um, 
<laughs> Go ahead, brother Javon, explain or uh, give some context. No, I'm just saying, because for the people that don't know what blackface is, I'm just saying. But back in the day, you know, the white people, they used to paint their faces black, and they would put on minstrel shows, and they would be very clumsy or very, you know, just uneducated and just looking like a fool. And basically, that's still what's going on today. So I just feel like a lot of the roles we take were either fools or slaves or even um I think Jada considered it in his song. He's like, why did Denzel have to um act as a crooked cop in order to win his um was it a Grammy? But you know, why why do we have to take these roles and reinforce the garbage in order to be acclaimed or for the sake of livelihood, I would say. That was one of um, Taraji P. Henson's points that she made mm. when she got her first Oscar, I believe. Um, she got it for her role in Empire. Is that her show? Empire. Um, you know, in, in her speech, she made a point to say, of all the roles I've played, positive roles, this is what I get awarded for. You know, so needless to say, we kind of take what's given to us. We've always done that. We've always taken what we've been given and we've made more of it. Now, needless to say, as far as, you know, media is concerned, we do play a big part in the outlet that other cultures see of us. Unbeknownst to us, we don't feel like it's that damaging, especially, you know, when the check is you know, pretty hefty. We don't see that. However, we play a big part in that. Um, And we don't understand how detrimental that is to culture because it's a constant reinforcement. Just like what Javon just said about the crooked cop, you know, Denzel probably would never be a crooked cop in this day or the next. But again, that is what got awarded because that's the message that social media wants to send so you know very naturally it constantly gets perpetuated in different things in commercials and you know different things that we see because we don't mean to do that but we can especially if we're trying to just make an honest living out of something it can very haphazardly turn into that and I'm pretty sure that if you sat down with Denzel if we ever got a chance to sit down with Denzel he would not say that that was what he was intentionally trying to portray I personally love John Q John Q was one of my favorites because John Q really showcased the love of a man for his child and those extremes that he's willing to go by any means necessary And he also played Michael Max, so you feel me? Yeah, full circle. Was legit. That was but legit. it was, you know, John Q is, is one of his, I would feel like one of his most notable, um, one of his most notable pieces of work um, since we're in, since we're in the social media and media outlet right now. But, you know, we would definitely have to start taking those chances and changing those outlooks. I had a chance to work on a film actually Mm. back in May Mm. um, produced by Aaron Johnson. Mm. The movie is scheduled to come out um, to the Sundance Film Festival in August and 
we have to take our time, energy, and finances to put out the messages that we want to put out. Moonlight, Moonlight was beautiful. Mm-hmm. If you are from Miami and you know Miami, you were able to sit there and look at that movie and look at the scenes and know exactly where that came from. And we do have control over that. Like Spike Lee. We yes, definitely Spike Lee. One of my personal favorites as far as, you know, taking things back to where they need to be and supporting it is Usain Bolt. I believe I shared this with someone that when Usain Bolt won the Olympics, he said, if you want to work with me, you have to bring the work to my country. Work my people. From interview to photo shoot to cover on the cereal box. Bring it back to Jamaica. Give Jamaica that work. My people need that money. My economy needs that. Since I'm such a commodity to you, you're going to have to do something for me. And guess what? If we could take whatever needs that we have Mm -hmm. and turn it into production and start to produce for ourselves and require other people to work with us, there's no reason why we can't take back that control. Legit, 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 brother Javon, legit, legit, snaps, snaps, can you pick up snaps out? Yeah, no, that's real. <laughs> um, pertaining to image, I think that's one of the reasons why they're demonizing Bill Cosby. Yeah. Because when I was listening to Wesley Muhammad, he just said everything that I was already thinking. He was saying how, basically... Cosby show it was a very pivotal show and you know black enrollment in college and all of that went up during the time period of the show yes and spin off a different world Um, Bill Cosby was such a positive pivotal image and he also wanted to buy CBS the TV station the network Um, and you know whenever we reach certain heights you know they try to stop us so I just think that we need to put, you know, certain things in place for when we do reach these heights again, that if something was to happen to a leader or leaders, we can still keep the ball rolling and we don't just stop. But images are just very important and we need to be mindful of the image that we give off and the images that we believe in. Mm-hmm. So I just think we need to question everything. We need to reflect on ourselves. There's this man in prison, his name is Curtis Carroll, Curtis Wall Street Carroll. He's from Oakland, California. He's been in prison for 20 years. Um, Basically, he said that in his family, if you were not doing drugs, you were selling drugs, he said he never saw any positive role models. Um, I understand we do need to take ownership, but we need to understand why we are in the situation we're in. He never had any role models. He's from the hood, surrounded by drugs. Mom was a crack addict. Grandmother was a crack addict. Um, And he ended up murdering somebody. And he said one day when he was sitting in prison, he was watching the television and a young man was killed. And he sat there and he said to himself, I wonder how his parents feel. He said he never felt that feeling before in his life. But he had to go to counseling to understand that feeling he had. He never ever thought about something like that so it's he ended up growing a conscience mm. so the thing is we need to understand when we're exposed to negative experiences or we're 
put into a traumatic situation and grow up like that, our brain develops differently. Yeah. So a lot of us are at more of a deficit than others. It's true. So like Alexis said in the beginning, we do need to hold each other's hands. We need to be each other's therapy. We need to be patient with each other. Because, you know, when you just have people enslaved for how many hundreds of years, then you tell them they're free, that's the beginning of the battle. That's not the end. That's the beginning. Just like Haiti. Haiti was the jewel of the Antilles. Haiti was the richest colony. But as soon as they fought for their independence and won, they destroyed everything that reminded them of slavery. Yeah. And you know that's still that's still spiritual bondage and that's still yeah. mental. You know, so you can't just have people enslaved and tell them that they're free, or you can't just fight for your freedom and think you're done fighting. Right. So I don't know. I feel like a lot of us have become complacent, and we I don't know. We just need to reflect and we need to be patient with each other. A lot of us are not patient with others. Yeah. As a final thought from me, um, to piggyback on what you just said, Javon. We are not patient with each other because we're patient. We're not patient with ourselves. Mm. It really is an inside job. So from the way I see the world to the way I see my brother or my sister is truly a reflection of how I see myself. So if I don't smile, if I don't say hello, if I don't reach for a handshake or go to embrace you, it's because there's something within me that I haven't dealt with. And a lot of us are dealing with things on the inside. And that's why it's very important for us to talk, for us to have these sessions, like you said, for us to be each other's therapy, because that's how we heal. Because even going back to the resting bitch face, I understand it because I've been told that I look mean, but guess what? When I hear another, you know, woman say, everybody thinks I'm so mean, she and I connect. Because it's like, oh my God, why do people think I look so mean? I'm the sweetest person ever. And then guess what? I know, right? What do you know? We're friends. So, you know, we have to, you know, allow ourselves to embrace people. Like you said, we have to learn how to be patient. That is 100%. And guess what? Most importantly, we have to learn how to love. We have to learn how to love ourselves because guess what? If it doesn't start with you, it won't be, you know, it won't be spread or dispersed to anybody else. I agree. And your cup has to be full before it can overflow it. So a lot of us, you know, trying to help each other with empty cups. Not, not, Not that you have to, you know, make a million dollars before you can help somebody else. But, you know, you can help people on the way. But as long as you're making those steps. Right towards you know understanding and loving and building awareness towards yourself right. you can then help others but if you're neg- if you're neglecting yourself you can't truly right. give to somebody else whether it's you know spiritually financially physically yeah. emotionally and i do believe i one thing i do know the biggest thing with the black community that we don't like to talk about very often maybe because it's subconscious mostly but we do have self-hate we, we, we do have self-hate. And if you look at, you know, uh, the different leaders in the past, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, Garvey, they've all had different um, thought processes, for lack of better words, for why we had, why we have this self-hate. You know, Malcolm X said, uh, Malcolm X pretty much proposed that 
because we want to be accepted so much by other people we want to be accepted so much by other people that when we don't get that acceptance we begin to hate ourselves mm -hmm. well why don't they like us why don't mm -hmm. they care for us you know um dr ak tusu you know um um a guy from ghana came and when the guy from ghana was talking to me he said the blacks in africa and the blacks in America have to reconcile. And I said, because he's from Ghana, so he knows the other side of the story. He said, okay, the blacks in Africa are mad at the blacks in America because we look rich on TV and we're not bringing any of the money back. The blacks in America have unforgiveness against the blacks in Africa because they have rejection. So the self-hate of the black man actually comes from Africa because they feel like we were rejected by blacks. So now the white people brought us over, but let's just get them to love us. And the more that whites don't love us, the more we begin to hate ourselves. Oh man, if only I just wasn't so black. You know, and I'm, I'm putting it, you know, if only I wasn't so black, maybe, maybe if I looked more like him, maybe if I was more like him, because we still have that unforgiveness. But he, he said, we were taught that uh, we were sold into slavery. But he said, I'm from Ghana. I am from where they took the slaves from. He said, that's not true. He said, these people came and they told these people, they told these, these villages that we're gonna take your children abroad. And you can see this in the story of Sarah Bartman, the story of Sarah Bartman. We're gonna take your children abroad. Your children is gonna be able to bring back money and wealth and finances and education and bring all kind of things back to your economy. So the parents is like, yes, this is a blessing from God, you know? So they told their children, we're sending you abroad. God has chosen you, God has blessed you. You're gonna learn and you're gonna be able to provide for us and take care of all of us. So the children is like, yes. Now you've seen the Bob Marley documentary. That is when the children was brought and put inside these tubes, these, these cells with no windows, with no oxygen. And they were left in there at days and days at a time, dying on top of each other. And then they would come and take the slaves out by tens and put them on ships and put them in cages and ship them to the coast to be shipped out. So now the children is thinking, why would my parents do this to me? Why would my parents lie to me? Why would my parents sell their own child? And now this animosity has carried over to become the self-hate that the black man has for himself, you see? So now when you actually talk to some, some you know, professed black leaders or whatever you want to call them, they don't want to go back to Africa. They want to make America a better place. You know, America, we here, that African stuff is done with, you know? And I love what my sister said. We have to learn how to love ourselves because as you see yourself is how you will see the people around you. There is no way you can hate yourself and love the people around you. There is no way, I, I put this on everything I love, there is no way you can love yourself and hate the people around you, impossible. If you claim you love yourself but you hate the people around you, that's pride, it's not real love. Anyone who truly truly loves themselves or love the people around you. So people attack us and they say, how come it always gotta be all black? All lives matter. You always gotta make it a black thing. You always gotta make it a black thing. Until the black man learns to love himself, and this gonna sound crazy, but until a black man learns to love himself, he cannot be an adequate part of humanity. 
blacks have went through a certain set of conditions that the rest of humanity has not. Now they go through it in different, you know, you have your cultures and your people that go through different levels of oppression, different levels of bondage, but the experience of the black man on this earth is unique. And until you deal with those unique set of circumstances, you can't now come after the fact and be like, oh, let's just forget about it. Let's just all be humans. No, you have to deal with the conditions that is keeping the black man from being an adequate human being. And that is the black man learning to love himself. So how come the black man hate white people? How come the black man so angry at white people? That's why I can't stand black people. You can't get nowhere with hatred. How are you gonna give love when you've never been given love? So that black man gotta love a white man. The black man has to be loved first. Black people gotta stop being so all we know is division. We don't we have to see unity like us three here. The most powerful thing is us learning how to love ourselves through building our own culture. I don't I don't know if I'm right or wrong about this. Maybe this can be our last point for the broadcast. But when people say how come we're projected the same way, when I look you know, I watch anime, you know, I watch anime, Naruto, whatever, you know, and when, when I'm watching these different animes, the commercial comes on and you see white Japanese, white Chinese, white Australians, no matter what television program you're watching, you see white people. So imagine my amazement when I watch Hidden Colors and learn that most of the world was black. I'm like, where are these black people? Because all I see on TV from every culture in the whole entire world is white, 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 until you realize that all of media is controlled by one group of people. They broadcast wide, but it's one group of people. So whenever a black man is trying to get into that media, we're only gonna be able to get in in a certain context. So I'm hoping that in this generation, Spike Lee's begin to rise up to where the black man begins creating his own media outlet, the way we control how we present ourselves. You guys have any, uh, any? Mm. Love, love yourself. Love each other, take that time, meditate, reflect on who you are, why you think the way you think, why you feel the way you feel, why you make the decisions you do. Just spend time by yourself and breathe. So we thank all y'all for coming on today. Very, very potent, very, very powerful webcast episode one. If you have any questions, any questions, any questions, we're going to put this number out here. This webcast does have a number. It is 754-800-GLUE. 754-800-GLUE. And that is God, that is love, that is unity, that is enlightenment. We must stick together like glue. 754-800-GLUE. Call in or text, leave your questions, and we will answer all your questions during the next broadcast. Or leave your comments below, and we will answer all of your questions during the Q&A of the next broadcast. So we love y'all blessings manifesting and all of y'all please give some closing remarks release that positive energy to the listeners love <laughs> sister sister um love yourself yes love yourself first Give that, that, that good energy to your family, to your friends, to the people around you. Because 
you know, the, this day and the next isn't promised. So don't take for granted, you know, any loved ones that you may have. Don't take yourself for granted. Don't take your situations for granted because the only way to go is up once you've been down. So as a people, we can only go up from here. Yes. Peace, love, and soul. Yes, righteous. <laughs>